Are you ready to be in the spotlight? Are you ready to share your story with the world? Well, Snails with No Shells is where you need to be. Available on all digital platforms, Facebook, and YouTube. Snails with No Shells. Leave that shell at the door. Where did we go wrong? We were doing so well. Greetings, greetings, beautiful ones. I am Ms. BJ Martin, and this is Snails with No Shells. Leave that shell at the door. That is my only rule in this room. All right, let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. I have an amazing guest coming to the stage. I had the privilege of interviewing this amazing man with a group of men, but now I got him all to myself. <laughs> all right, let's bring him to the stage. Dr. Naaman Potts. Hello, hello, hello. How's everyone? Yes, thank you for joining us on Snails with No Shells. We appreciate you. Well, I thank you for having me. It's a privilege to be with you and to just have a quick conversation. Yes, absolutely. That's and that's that's exactly what I call these. I call these conversations. I don't call them interviews because mm -hmm. we're not trying to get a job, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe might be. Oh, and you never know. You're right. You you know what? <laughs> this could possibly be an audition or something, right? You just never that's know. That's the right? truth. That's the watching. truth. Yes, that's I the love truth. that. That's another way to look at this. I love that. Amen. <laughs> All right. So Dr. Naaman Potts is an Amazon best-selling author. And he's a pastor. Yes, yes congratulations on that. That thank congratulations. You, that you. takes work. Yes. Yes, Definitely. I am. He's a pastor, been pastoring for 20. No, you're a pastor for 25 years and you've been preaching for 29 years. That's amazing. Yes, ma'am. A bread of heaven community church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. That's correct. That's awesome. That's awesome. Right. Congratulations, That's even on that. Almost 30. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You've seen a lot. Yeah. Oh, sometimes I feel like I've seen too much. <laughs> <laughs> but it has yeah. been a joy to be able to pastor people and to to actually lead them in the way of the scriptures. And um, I'm just fortunate to be one that God chose to use. And so I don't I don't brag or, you know, even in any way, just try to take credit for what has been happening. But I believe that it all belongs to God. And so that's who I give all the praise to. Absolutely. And that's why you can still be doing this for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seems like it's a, like I'm nearing a retirement. Yeah. A party, you know? <laughs> my, my. All yes, right. All right. Indeed. So, Dr. Naaman, where were you born and raised? Well, I was born in the city of Norfolk, Virginia. And, um, you know, nice little quaint area. And um, I'm glad to be a native of not only Virginia, but a native of Norfolk. Okay. And what was it like? Because when I think of Norfolk, I think about the Navy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I had a little boyfriend. Did you? In the Navy, I did. Okay. And it was, the okay. boat was like USSR, something, something, mm-hmm. something. I think about Navy, you know, when I mm-hmm. hear all the time. So what, you know, what was it like growing up for you in Norfolk? Well, um, in the little area that I grew up in, um, my neighborhood was um, predominantly African-American. And um, growing up as a, a young one, um, had a lot of people. We played a lot of games. And you know, the neighborhood was conducive for, for living and growing. And um, I often tell people that my neighborhood was like 98%, um, excuse me, 98% um, um, husband and wives uh, in the community. My whole street um, was, was full of husbands and wives. And um, so not just in my home, but I had men and women all on my block that helped me to, to become who I am now. And so that's, that was a beautiful thing for me growing up in my community of Campostella Heights, right there in Norfolk, Virginia. Okay, awesome, awesome. So, Dr. Naiman, next mm-hmm. question. What did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I thought one of the most noble things um, to be in, in, that, in that time coming up was a, a police officer or fireman. And so I was really driven more to being a fireman than a policeman, but they was both of them was one of those um, jobs that I wouldn't mind have been doing, but um, I didn't. So um, my career path changed and um, I became an entrepreneur um, with um, transportation. And so I have a small business that um, deals with trucking. And so that's what, you know, somewhere down the line, um, that's where I, I, I ended up becoming um, an owner of a company. And it deals with transportation, deals with transporting goods. Um, and so it's been a blessing. Yeah. And I'm glad I did. Yeah, oh, wow. Um, hmm. About 35 years. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of really? yeah, I kind of track it by my um oldest son, and okay. so yeah, so about thirty five years. Wow, mm-hmm. so that's why I like having these conversations. I, you know, yes, trucking, that's all right. That yes, is all right. And what's the name of your trucking company? Um, the name of it is CNN Trucking, and um. It's, it's named that because of my sons. I, I've used their first initial to their names and I named it pretty much after my sons. And so Aww. that's how I came up with it. That's awesome. I love that, mm-hmm. Dr. Naiman. That's all right. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay, so you you so you didn't do the fireman thing, you didn't do the police, but you were an entrepreneur like way before before you even really heard the term, right? Entrepreneur. We hear it so much now, but you've been doing this thing for years. Yes, ma'am. I have been I, I started out um because my, my father was in that mode, and um, you know, he 
he always wanted us to, you know, do business and work for ourselves. And, you know, especially coming up in the early years of the 50s and 40s and things of that nature, um, you know, black men were having a hard time um, just trying to live. And so um, once my father found out that um, you can be in a position and be training people in that position, and then someone without that skill can come and um, snatch your leadership position away. Mm. He, he really then sought the fact that he needed to um, do something for himself, that he can be um, his own boss and um, make rules and um, you know provide for himself. And so from that point, that was something he trained um, my sisters and I and my brothers to, you know, work for yourself. And so that's how I got to that place. Even at 12 years old, I was, um, you know, selling stuff at the house, mm -hmm. um, learning how to, you know, manage money, mm -hmm. um, learning how to, to stock a store. Um, and I did that not because my dad had a store, um, but it was like, we had a little store around the street from us, a little corner store. And so I kind of picked up um, my skills from going to the corner store, working in the corner store. And so it was like, after that, I decided I'm going to do something. And I went out and bought things, uh, candy and, and um, you know, just about what I saw in, in their stores. I went out and got those things from the same store and sold it at my house. Mm -hmm. Boy, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I had to learn. I was see what I was trying to do was cut off the children from running to the corner store mm -hmm. and be in the middle. So before they can get to the corner store, they can stop right at my house and they can get a few things and don't have to go around to the corner store. So I kind of like, you know, cutting the other business out, but right. you know, that's what businesses do. You know? That's right. That's right. That's, that's right. right. Oh my goodness. You've been an entrepreneur. Oh my God. All your life. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. That. that is very inspiring. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So you were selling candy. Hey, I love that. Mm -hmm. I remember, mm -hmm. I remember going to, uh, like the ladies, you know, the ladies sell the freezies and the yes, candy. yes, yeah, potato chips and all that. So you were doing uh -huh. that well, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and see, so, you know, in the in, in, in as we were growing up, um, in the seventies, late sixties, early seventies, and throughout, you know, yeah, you had those people that would sell the freeze cups and stuff, mm -hmm. and um, and some of them just made their funding just by. The freeze cups. We would run over there on a hot summer day and just get with one or two to tear their bells up, you know, just ring, 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 ring. You know, that's what we were there for to, to mess their bells up and, and get that, um, <laughs> get those freeze pops, you know. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, so I, I just figured I'm going to do as much as I could because I understood that to really be functioning, functional. In society, you had to have money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wasn't raised to, you know, hit people in the head and snatch their pocketbooks and stuff. Right. My dad 
he raised us with a mind to have your own and do your own and be your own. And so that that was the line of uh, uh, the, the way I came up. And then too, you have to remember, I said that I lived in a neighborhood um, that was predominantly black, it was about 98, 99% black. And so the men that, that were on our street around in my community, um, they worked. And so they provided us with a picture yeah. of how life should be when you grow. You get you a good woman, um, you know, you raise your family, you go to work, you be the um, producer um, for the things that your, your children need, keep a roof over your head, love your wife, love your children, and things of that nature. And so uh, I had no choice but to learn something good. Mm -hmm. of the, all of the people that was around us. And so they were active in making us good children, good, good adults, um, you know, and things of that nature. So I'm so grateful for my neighborhood. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. So you have this amazing trucking company. How did you mm -hmm. get into pastoring? How, when, how did that happen? When did that come about? Well, it came about in 1997. I was I was past. I was um, actually a minister in my church um, for as many as four to five years. Um, I didn't think that I would be pastoring because my father was a pastor and bishop, and um, I had no idea that this would be my lot in life. But um, you can kind of say that I somewhat followed his footsteps. Mm -hmm. And um, so in 1997, um, I felt the leading of the Lord after much prayer and consultation um, that this would be my next step. And so 1997, I left my church in Norfolk, Virginia, mm -hmm. which was Good News Family Worship Center. It was part of um, one of the big, amazing organization of churches called the Church of God in Christ. And so I, I left there and began to pastor in that same organization. And so um, that started in 1997. Wow. Wow, nice. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And so and you, you said you've been doing that for almost 30 years. I can't get, I can't get over that. Like, wow. Yeah, I understand because I don't look like right, you don't. years. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> You don't. You don't. <laughs> I don't look like 29 years. I mean, but if you could have seen me 29 years ago, I mean, you know, I was much younger, um, of course. And um, I didn't have all of this gray stuff all on my face at the time. I was very, very young looking. And, you know, uh, but after 29 years of preaching and 25 of that, 29 of pastoring, um, I've kind of changed. But I thank the Lord I'm still healthy and strong. Okay. All right. I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, so we definitely need to get into the major part of this story. And this is the book. Okay. Amen. Grief through his eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, you have your copy. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Grief through his eyes. This is a man's perspective. Before we get into that part of the conversation, I would like to, um, we have a sponsor for today's episode of Snails and No Shells. Someone pl play that. 
commercial and we'll get right back to it. All right. you own it magazine ceo marisa blurder thank you for sponsoring this evening's episode of snails with no shells all, all right, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right we're having fun we are having fun yes. okay so i'm going to show the picture that i have because this actually shows all the beautiful co-authors yes. 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 14 14 beautiful yes. authors of green yes. eyes these are all the handsome and beautiful co-authors and we have the visionary um deborah juniper fry Amen. wow yes beautiful. beautiful all right mm -hmm. so Let's get into it. Tell us about your chapter. Or you can tell you right. about the experience as well, you know, how you even got into it. All right. Well, first of all, um, I want to thank Miss um, Fry um, for contacting my wife. They met at some point at, a, um, at an event. And um, she heard about me wanting to write. I've always wanted to write a book um, or pamphlet or something. Um, but I've had a hard time just trying to keep the storyline um, going. And so I got a call from Miss Fry. And when she called, she was like, you know, Dr. Potts, you need to come on and write that book. And... Um, I was like, wow, I, I do want to write, but I have such a hard time trying to write. She So she made it so easy for me that she told me to write my story in this book. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, this should be much easier for me to do than just trying to come up with um, various, um, you know, concepts Mm -hmm. to writing this book. And so that's what happened. And um, I got an opportunity to start writing. And then I was introduced to all of the other amazing authors. And um, we were able to compile this book. And it became a number one seller. Yes. And so I'm just so happy to be yes. a part of it. Yes. Well, thank you. Glad to be there. Uh, so um, it was... I, I often tell people that, you know, life is supposed to be simple. 
Life is never supposed to be difficult. It was made difficult, but in the interim, it was created to be simple. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, she made it very easy for me mm -hmm. to compile my story and place it within the book that she had envisioned um, having. So I'm grateful to that um, for her being that person. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And I'm, I'm glad you answered the call. I'm glad you said mm -hmm. yes. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. So let's get it. So what is the what is the name of your chapter? The name of my chapter is Anguish and Regret. Anguish and Regret. Okay. And tell yeah. us a little bit about it. Okay. Well, anguish and regret. Um came about because of some of the things that I experienced early on. Mm -hmm. um, remember now, I told you that my father was a pastor and bishop. Yes. And so because of me coming up as a child, I experienced a many of funerals. Mm -hmm. I, I had to go um, as a baby growing on up. And right. so... Um, in my chapter, it speaks about me being um, at a funeral and watching one of the uh, persons coming who were trying to be a part of the funeral, you know, coming to view and stuff. And before that person could get to view the body, she had collapsed. And unfortunately, she passed away um, right there, to be exact. And so as a young lad, you know, I watched this, but I had no idea of what this, what it was all about. I just watched her crying. I, I saw so many people crying mm -hmm. at a young age, but I didn't know um, the extent of the grief that she was feeling. So to the point that it caused her to have to, you know, cry out. And then she passed away. And so that was my first, I believe, um, time I came into something about grief. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know anything about grief. I just knew that this woman was crying and therefore it was nothing that I can do. So a part of this chapter, regret, um, simply just let me know that I didn't know what I could do. I wanted to do something, but I couldn't do anything at seven or eight years old. Mm -hmm. So, but I just watched so much of people just, you know, seemed like I was going to a funeral just about every week. Mm. And so, yeah, because like I said, him being a pastor, it just always put me in that spot. So, yeah, that's mm. how it happened. Mm -hmm. I that's the first time I've heard that before someone mm -hmm. what they call a death at a funeral like someone actually passed mm -hmm. away mm -hmm. at a funeral you said you were seven or eight yes ma'am so you're not only carrying that memory around all these years you're carrying around all those funerals or many of them yes so how Oh, Dr. Naaman, how, mm -hmm. how, how did you deal with that? Like all these years, that's, I mean, like for, 
just saying like for a normal kid, you know, a funeral, mm -hmm. that many funerals, you know, and then seeing something like that. Mm -hmm. How did that affect you? Uh, it affected me greatly um, because it made me nervous. Mm. I understood. I understand now what I didn't understand then. Mm -hmm. And that is that every one of us at some point in life, we are going to pass that way. Right. Um, but in my early years, I had a form of consolation in the fact that every person that passed away, they were old. Okay. And so, but it made me nervous because of the fact of, um, I never seen anybody young, my age, anything like that pass away, mm -hmm. but it, everybody was old. And so it scared me looking at those persons laying there and couldn't move. And it also made me feel like at some point they might just jump up. <laughs> so I was really nervous. And so it affected me greatly because I would be at home. And as long as I was around people, I was okay. Mm -hmm. But if I had to be by myself, like go upstairs, I would cut on every light that I could cut on to go upstairs and to, um, if it was something my dad sent me up there to get, come back down, I would cut on every light and I would run upstairs and I would be fast because the memory of what I saw, I felt like that person was, was somewhere standing and it's gonna say like boo or something like right. that to me. It scared, it scared me and I never said anything to my parents about it. Um, it was just something I carried along with me up until now. Hmm. Wow. And I've never thought about, like, you know, the 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 preacher's son, like the preacher's children, what they mm -hmm. um, have to deal with and endure having a father as a pastor. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about the funerals at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I don't, I'm better with it now mm -hmm. because I've been pastoring, but um, I still feel like uh, the grief can be horrendous in some cases, depending on how close you were to that person or persons. Mm -hmm. And so um, back at that time, I really wasn't close like that. I was just, I'm growing. I'm a, I'm a young man trying to learn life. Right. And that was not the part of life that I wanted to learn. I right. just wanted to play with my friends. I just wanted to hang out. Right. So right. that was a part of the reason I wrote this, uh, my chapter. Yes. That's just half of that. That's why I was saying to you, it's anguish and regret. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is it just my imagination? Or is it just a